What's up, everybody? Anthony Cazenza here with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Coming at you with John Sheeran, my man. John, we've got yet another special guest with us this week to help us preview the game. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well, man. We got me personally, my favorite Cowboys follow on, on the show. We got Jeff Cavanaugh. How's, how's it going, Jeff? Good. Check this out. I don't know if you guys oh, can hear that. Uh, yeah, instead of, instead of Panama, it's Kavanaugh. He's, he's proving my point. Yeah. He's bringing out Van Halen. A little yeah. bit of Van Halen. I love it. Wow. Get, yeah. get, hey, man, it's it's 8.30 my time where I'm at right now. So I, hearing some Van Halen at 8.30 in the morning, getting me rocking. I love it. And, of course, Jeff can be found at, uh, at Time for Jeffrey on Twitter and is part of the Believe Podcast Network. The Believe Network always coming through with some great guests for us to help us preview things throughout the week uh how first of all jeff how are you after we're, we're, i guess we could start with quarterbacks but how are you after the whole dak prescott thing going on this week uh some just a tiny bit of news going on with him well the good news is that the uh team just because of doing the job for long enough i no longer care if they win or lose really like i'm not a cowboys <laughs> fan um, but it's super disappointing because people are obviously way more engaged when you have a bunch of hope. And when you lose your starting quarterback, even though he played like crap in week one, uh, things are not well, things aren't well. And so we'll just get right back on track. We'll get Burrow to throw four more picks and see if we can't get a dub. <laughs> well, tell us about Cooper rush because Cooper rush now is, is taking over the reins. Uh, a guy who has kind of been there for a little bit, but just kind of waiting in the wings. Obviously, Dak's been the guy. What What are some of the strengths, the weaknesses? What are they asking him to do? And what's kind of the confidence level overall from fans and the team and this guy stepping in, I guess, for the, the semi-long term, it would seem, uh, taking over for Dak Prescott? Yeah, and it'll probably my guess would be he'll be filling in for four to six weeks, even though they're not going to put him on, they're not going to put Dak on IR. And Jerry's selling the idea that they're doing that because maybe he could be back after just missing three games. But with Cooper Rush, I mean, I, I feel like it's a very standard thing. Like he's an NFL backup quarterback, and I don't think he's one of the better NFL backup quarterbacks. He's not hyper athletic, there's nothing super toolsy about him. He's a dude that's been with the Cowboys for years now, so he knows what they want to do. Uh, and to his credit, a year ago when he had to play against Minnesota on the road, he went and won a game. And not only did he go and win a game, he won a game where Zeke and Tony Pollard were averaging three yards a carry, and they threw the ball a bunch. And Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb both went over 100 yards. So the backup quarterback going in there, and I think maybe that's just a thing that happens is you go in, and like Cincinnati this week is going to assume we're going to get a lot of Zeke. We're going to get a lot of Tony Pollard. We're going to get a lot of the run game. They're going to try to hide their quarterback. And there's opportunities there for a backup quarterback. If you can play well to make some plays, but as far as like confidence in the player, I mean, it's the 50 or 60th best quarterback in the NFL going out on the field. So there's not a lot other than you can look back at a year ago and go, well, he did it once. Let me tell you right now, Jeff, a quarterback who is the 50th or 60th best in the NFL playing the Cincinnati Bengals has never stopped that quarterback from <laughs> against the Cincinnati true. Bengals. Hey, so we're true. good at that too. One time yeah. Jeff Driscoll kicked our ass. Yeah. <laughs> we, we love some Driscoll action. But let, let's talk about some of the one of the guys that you just mentioned. It seems that at this point, is, is Zeke underrated now? Because it feels like we always talk about the injuries and the cap hit, and neither one is great when you're talking about a veteran running back, but is he like it seems like when he is on the field like he is fine it's just the fact that he's not always on the field or he's not always 100 percent 
Uh, yeah, I could see that. Uh, anybody who watches my channel on YouTube thinks that I hate Zeke just because for three straight years, everything that you can measure about running back play, like Tony Pollard is a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott is. But early last year before he banged up his knee, like he was running the ball really well. In week one, when he got opportunities, he ran the ball really well. Uh, he's still not really a make people miss, break off huge chunk plays guy. But as far as just vision and power and finish, he's still a good NFL running back. I don't know that he's one of the top five or maybe even 10, but like he's a good player. It's just that in a league that doesn't tend to reward running backs in terms of contracts and all that, that the Cowboys set the standard for paying running backs years ago with Zeke and still nobody has beat some of the numbers on that contract because Jerry Jones thinks that the way they won in the nineties is the way that they're going to win in 2022. And so they just, they believe Jerry does. I don't think the coaches do. And I hope the coaches don't, but Jerry believes that this team literally goes as far as Zeke goes, which is bad. And that's probably what turns some people against him. Talking with Jeff Kavanaugh of the believe podcast network. You've also probably heard him on uh, in the past in the official Dallas Cowboys radio station down there covering the team for, a while now, Jeff, you kind of uh, mentioned something about the coaching staff. I'm going to deviate a little bit from some of the other things I was thinking about asking you next. But since you mentioned the coaching staff, obviously McCarthy, some chatter there. There's the whole Sean Payton waiting in the wings. If you heard Sean Payton on the Colin Cowherd show earlier this week, he talked about, hey, I'm going to coach again. Um, you know, this is just kind of a brief hiatus for me. I don't know. Connect some dots for me here. And, and if this season starts to spiral out of control, the big brand that is the Cowboys, the impatience that comes with Jerry Jones. Is this trouble on the horizon, with, even with all the injuries to important players and, and roster attrition? Is this kind of trouble on the horizon for McCarthy if this season starts to spiral out of control? Or are they going to give him another shot and, and kind of ride this thing out? I think it's I think it's really possible that he's I mean I think he was in trouble before the season started. I think Mike McCarthy the odds were amongst most here that this will be his last year as the Cowboys head coach unless it goes really 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 well. So I don't think that any excuse that you could have through injury or whatever is going to save Mike McCarthy. But the Joneses don't like to fire a coach midseason. They did it with Wade Phillips, but they did that because the team just I think it was like a 44 to 6 loss and they basically laid down and they felt like they had to. The one thing about Sean Payton that I want to throw out to people is Jerry Jones and him have a relationship. They're friends. Would Jerry like Sean Payton to coach his team? Sure. When Sean Payton coaches a team, Sean Payton takes over personnel. Sean Payton takes over mm -hmm. the salary cap. He pushes all your money into the future. He goes to try to win now, and he doesn't care what wreckage he leaves behind. Jerry and Stephen Jones don't give those things up. So like there would have to be some sort of accommodation there, which is why I actually think if something happened with Mike McCarthy, whether we're in season or at the end of season, I would probably say Dan Quinn would be the favorite to be the next Cowboys coach. That's very mm. interesting there. Um, we want to talk about the offensive line a little bit, but me personally, I, I need to ask a Cowboys um, uh, analyst this because in the 2020 senior bowl, one of my biggest takeaways is a Terrence Steele, looks like Cedric Oboye, the Bengals version. Like, this guy can't take on power at all. I have no idea what the hype is with this with this guy. He ends up going undrafted to the, Cowboy, to the Cowboys. He's been in the system now for a couple of years, and he's the main reason why Lel Collins was deemed expendable from the Cowboys. So d describe to me the growth that Steele has made, because clearly he's made a lot of strides since Texas Tech. I think Terrence Steele is probably a borderline NFL starter. He would not start on most teams. Um, 
what happened with Lyle Collins is the same thing that happened with Amari Cooper. The Cowboys front office decided they didn't want him on the team. It wasn't about what sort of football player he was. They decided they didn't want. That's why Lyle Collins, even at an affordable cap number and being a better player than Terrence Steele, they got rid of him because they just didn't feel like they could trust him, whether it was COVID year number one, where they thought that he probably should have had a surgery during the offseason and he didn't. And then when it was time to start the season, he did and missed the season. And then last year, missing the first six games. But the Cowboys are very selective about this. So they'll talk about, oh, you know, availability is really important. And that's why we let Randy Gregory get away, even though they offered him the exact same contract he took in Denver. They just tried to screw with him at the end. Uh, They got rid of Lyle Collins. But there's a lot of guys that aren't available very often that they do keep because they like them. Because they're what Jason Garrett would have called the right kind of guy. And it's like, oh, yeah, he shows up early, works really hard. That's what Terrence Steele has. Coaches like him. The front office likes him. They feel like they can trust him, that he's going to be available, that he's going to work super hard, but he's not as good as the guy they let go. And now the offensive line is in trouble. Same thing with the receiver core, Amari Cooper. It was like, we don't want him because we don't view him as the ideal teammate. So despite Mm. the fact that the league is telling us he's worth a fifth-round pick, we'll take anything. We just don't want him on our team. And so that's why the Cowboy fan base, I think, this year is as low as I've ever seen it, and it was coming into the year. Because the whole fan base was like, you've never replaced Randy Gregory, you never replaced Amari Cooper, and you never replaced Lyle Collins. And you think that's a good plan? And here we are. Amari Cooper, the guy who crushed my fantasy football dreams in week one this week as a flex player, did not uh, did not come through for me, Amari. But He was uh, getting anyway. open. Talk to his quarterback. I know, I know, I know. It just killed me. Uh, I, especially when you got a bad beat on fantasy football. I hate that stuff. Anyway, I'm going to get weird on you here and ask you a question that is going to sound crazy on the surface, but now as we look at the circumstances surrounding the Cowboys, I think it may be worth a little bit of a, an argument, and we'll get to – Maybe some of your things about the injury report as we as we kind of tee things up further. But okay, look, you've got a backup quarterback who's going to really try and find you know rhythm, maybe short, controlled passing, that sort of thing. Michael Gallup uh, is struggling with injuries. Uh, C.D. Lamb, who had what twenty nine yards last week, receiving something to that effect. Obviously, Lamb's the guy. But is is it weird to say with a backup quarterback who's going to struggle to find you know maybe some rhythm or or do things to make himself comfortable is Dalton Schultz going to be kind of the go-to guy now in this passing attack. And that's where defenses should primarily focus given the other circumstances, even though you got a CD lamb on the team. My gut says yes. And I mean, it's even that way with Dak Prescott. I think Dalton Schultz, I think is going to have 90 catches this year. Dalton Schultz is going to get paid next off season. It ain't going to be by the Cowboys. Good player. Um, yeah. He's, and that's what he is. He's a good player. And The only thing is, last game Cooper Rush played, I'm going to give you the guys who caught the most balls. When he played against the Vikings last year, Amari Cooper had eight catches for 122. CD was six for 112. Cedric Wilson, their third receiver, was three for 84. Zeke was four for 23. Dalton Schultz, two for 11. Hmm. Catches by the tight end. But, like, I do, I, I believe your logic, where it's like that's the outlet, that's the quick hit. And it's not the same because they don't have multiple good receivers now. And the offensive line isn't as good as it was when Cooper Rush was back there the last time. So, yeah, I would not be surprised at all if Dalton Schultz is the guy that ends up with 10 to 12 targets because that's what they love to do. The problem is, is the Bengals, like every other team, have a defensive coordinator. And I would think that they will watch the Cowboys and be like, oh, they run hitches and slants and they want to get the ball out and hand the ball off. Like that's what they want to do because they're scared of their line. It's a backup quarterback. And that 
that could make life really, really tough when a team's just like, we know what you want to do and we're not going to let you because we know you can't protect and we know you don't have time to push the ball down the field. It makes life really, really hard. So somebody for the Cowboys is going to have to overachieve, whether it's the blocking or whether I just don't see how it can be Cooper Rush if you're not protecting or CeeDee Lamb becomes a superhuman. Somebody's going to have to overachieve. Dalton Schultz is a good player. Micah Parsons is a really, really good player. I'm looking at like his splits last year, like where he lined up, and he was mainly, I think, a linebacker last year compared to a pure edge rusher. And, and then this past week against the Bucks, he was like 40 snaps on the edge and 20 snaps as a linebacker. Is that like designation him being a linebacker pretty much dead? Because it seems like he he should just live on the edge at this point. Uh, I think they'll list him as a linebacker, and I think it's it's interesting because I believe that rushing the passer is more important than just playing regular old linebacker if you're not rushing the passer, and I think most people would agree with that. Like, pressure is super important, but they do view him as almost a one-of-one one in the NFL where it's like they don't want you to be able to plan for Micah Parsons plays the left edge. Micah Parsons might be rushing from the middle of the field at linebacker. Micah Parsons might be lining up at linebacker and dropping. He might be, I mean, but they are going to make sure that a lot of the time he is rushing because I think I saw last week, it's uh, what is it? The next gen stats where it's like pass rush win rate. And Micah's was like 70% and like the best in the league is usually 25 or 30. (laughs) He's like, he's, he's freaky. There's nobody's going to stop Micah Parsons from getting to a quarterback by themselves, at least not often. So will they call him a linebacker? Yes. Will he line up at linebacker 30 to 50% of the time? Yes. But even when he's there, I think a decent amount of the time, he's coming for the quarterback. Talking with Jeff Cavanaugh, who covers the Dallas Cowboys for the Believe Podcast Network, the Believe in Cowboys show with, uh, I believe it's former wide receiver Jesse Hawley. Is that correct, Jeff? Uh, Yeah. Hold on. Here you go. Here you go. This was when uh, this is when they beat San Francisco, and Jesse got on the team by winning a reality show, and that got him an invite to camp. And then from there, being player number ninety, he made the team. And here's Tony Romo throwing to Jesse Holly to beat the 49ers. Oh, Jesse Holly went seventy-seven yards. It must be a reality show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we'll hear more about how to. You know, I know you got a YouTube channel. You guys do great work. And by the way. I am very envious of your tens of thousands, close to what, 100,000 followers on your at time for Jeffrey Twitter account. That means you do great work, not only on Twitter, but on the show and everything. So uh, we appreciate your time chatting with us as the Bengals take on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I, you know, I, I guess the question as we talk about Parsons and now the defense and all that kind of stuff, you've got uh digs going up against chase in all likelihood there's a lot of college history there uh, we talked about that with jeff hobson from bangles.com last night and uh, i remember one of those plays i remember yeah. one of those plays down the right yeah. sideline where jamar chase told trayvon Diggs, you may stand over there i'm gonna go get this ball right <laughs> right um i guess i guess aside from what they're going to be doing with parsons the the approach in the secondary obviously the, they're probably going to be taking some notes of what the steelers did two deep safeties and whatnot i mean is that kind of the approach and then you know how often will they because Diggs is really talented as well how often will he be kind of going one-on-one and how much confidence is there in him potentially being on an island with chase uh, i think they have confidence and i think it'll be really <laughs> It'll be fun if they let him go one-on-one a decent amount just because I think that matchup is incredible, especially when you add in the Joe Burrow factor, at least to my eyes, where Joe Burrow is a dude that if he sees single coverage, he's letting it rip, and he does not want any play to die, so he's going to buy time so that he can find a way to let it rip. 
uh, and Diggs is such a boomer bust. Well, I don't even ever want to say bust. The people who think he's not good are insane. Um, but he is a like he's a risk taker. He will do some guessing. He wants to get underneath the route, not cover the route well. Uh, Diggs versus Chase, I think, will be a lot of fun. I would bet on your guy, but um, they'll give safety help because if they don't, they're stupid. And I don't think many coaches are stupid, but there will definitely be opportunities where they'll be coming after the quarterback and they'll either have a single high. Cowboys do play a good amount of man coverage. Uh, so Diggs chase will probably be a thing. I wonder if they'll have him travel because they don't do that a ton. Diggs tends to play right corner. And at least in my brain, Jamar chase lines up on the offenses right a lot. So I don't know if, will they let Anthony Brown stay there? Will they travel? That's something that could be interesting. Hmm. They say time is kind of a flat circle. Um, last year in week two, the Bengals went on the road against an NFC team and they faced a backup quarterback for most of the game with Jason Peters at left tackle. Now Jason Peters is on the Dallas Cowboys. What, what's the plan with him? Like I, I read some reports that he might be playing this game. Is that going to move Tyler Smith, the rookie to left guard or what, what's really the plan there? I have not heard anything that makes me think that Peters will play this week. Uh, if he does, I think to me, that would be a pleasant surprise. I hope that when Peters is ready, they do put him at left tackle. Cause I actually think that first round pick Tyler Smith will be a better guard. And I hope he plays guard his whole career, but the Cowboys want him to be a left tackle and he was okay in week one. I mean, I would say he passed the test for a rookie who hadn't even worked at tackle in anywhere in training camp other than OTAs for like 40% of his time. Um, I hope he's the left tackle, but when listening to the Cowboys talk, Terrence Steele had four penalties last week, and Kellen Moore at some point this week was just like, look, if we can't snap a ball without a penalty, we need to put someone else in the game. And to me, that's hinting that maybe they would put Jason Peters at right tackle. But Jason Peters is a future Hall of Famer that's 40 years old. I don't think he came here to be flip-flopping and playing different positions. So my hope is when he's ready, whether it's this week or next week, that Jason Peters goes to left tackle, Tyler Smith goes to left guard, because that's your best five. And if you're not putting your best five out there, you're doing a real bad job of trying to win. <laughs> well, but we're going to get you out of here in, in just a minute here. Before we do, Jeff, how do you see this one? How do, how do you see this one going? Uh, and I do have a bonus question before we hear about your your show and your YouTube channel and whatnot. But um, how do you see this one going? Game predictions? I don't know if you got if you do score predictions or anything like that. But uh, look in your crystal ball there and tell me what you're thinking for Sunday. 27 to uh, 13 Bengals. But don't tell anybody I said that. Um, go Cowboys. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, understand. I think John and I were kind of similar on our score predictions here. Uh, the bonus question. The boys. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the bonus question I had real quick. Um, you've probably been to a number of stadiums around the NFL. I This was one of the games I was thinking about personally attending, and I, I just don't think I can swing it, but obviously very intrigued about Jerry World um, in this new generation of these mega stadiums, SoFi and whatnot. Where, where would you rank Jerry World in terms of the experience going to a game there? I have to defer to people I know who have been to a ton of them because I've only been to a few. I actually hate going to football games because if you go to a football game, it's like an all-day commitment, and I would rather have two TVs on. Like I watch the Cowboys on one, I watch Red Zone on the other, and then the next smart man, on, and I want to do that. So yeah. like I want to see all the games, so I don't love going to football games. Uh, but I've been to AT&T a bunch, and it's fine. It's not for me because I just it's not even built. It, to me, it's not built for football. It is built for 
gathering with your rich friends. Uh, and I just don't think that's like, I would rather my field be Lambo than AT&T stadium, but people who I respect that have been to a bunch of these, like, uh, Brad Sham, the voice of the Cowboys the last 35, 40 years, uh, Brian brought us friend of mine who worked in the league forever and has been to all these things. Like, it seems like SoFi, AT&T, Minnesota, and Vegas in some order is who most people like their buildings. Yeah. A traditionalist though. I like that. He's, he appreciates history. We're mentioning Lamb. I want home field advantage. <laughs> you don't get home field advantage. When that's a good point. 400 bucks and you have to pay 125 to park. That's a, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Well, Jeff Cavanaugh of the Believe uh, Podcast Network. He is one of the hosts of the Believe in Cowboys show. We'll pull that up for you here as well as leave the link links in the live chats here. This is the show that he co-hosts with Jesse Holly. You heard the the clip there of Jesse scoring a big touchdown and uh, co-host with you there. Tell, tell us a little bit about your show and when you know how our fans can can listen to it, even if it's only for this week and getting a, a peek behind the fence. Uh, we will do We do a show every Monday as kind of a recap of the game, and then we will have another one tomorrow to get ready for the game. So us talking about Cowboys-Bengals will be a tomorrow. Let me make sure I get my times right. I believe that one will be at noon, and we'll get that going. And then I have my personal channel where I talk Cowboys way too much, and it's uh, not very structured. Sometimes I'll be on the couch. Sometimes I'm in the backyard. Sometimes I'm in the studio, but that's just my name, Jeff Cavanaugh. You can look that one up. Um, and outside of that, I mean, that's, that's kind of, I it. think this is your YouTube channel with your namesake on it. I, this is the one I found and at least subscribe to. looks like you got your believe, uh, believe podcast network stuff on here as well. Correct. Yeah, see, One of those is me in the living room. And then the second one over is me on the this couch. One's great I, love, right I love the thumbnail. <laughs> He's back. Yeah, yeah, that, one, that one's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I Sometimes I believe you don't need your, uh, your board that. Play audio from, and you don't need your webcam. You just need your phone and your AirPods, and go sit on the couch. I love it. Well, we've we've okay. linked both of those there, and obviously he is at Time for Jeffrey, and of course at Believe Network are the Twitter accounts. Thanks for your time uh, this week, Jeff. I know you're a busy guy. Big game this week, and hopefully we can catch up down the road. Love it. If you're out there and you know the guy who has at Jeff Cavanaugh on Twitter, let me know. He uh he doesn't really tweet, but he wants money for the. He, he better have a freaking blue check if he took that one from you, man. He doesn't have a blue check. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Take care.